Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Uh, welcome to the Fight Night podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure as always to be in your company. A bit of housekeeping before we get stuck into today's show. Please subscribe to us via iTunes or via the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. We're always there providing top quality fight sports content. Now we've got a stellar guest list coming up in a minute, including Chris Eubank Jr., Terence Crawford, Sean Porter. They're coming up shortly. However, what you need to have at the start of the show is our reaction to the action that was going on in Sheffield on Saturday night. We were doing our show live. Uh, we had the monitors on. We were watching everything that was happening in the Terry Harper, Alicia Baumgardner fight and the Kiko Martinez and Kid Galahad fight. This is how it sounded on the radio as we were getting a little bit excited. Ah! <laughs> right, that was the live action from Saturday night. Time to look ahead to fights that are coming up in the not-too-distant future. You will have seen that last week they announced that Chris Eubank Jr. is off to Cardiff. Not on his holidays. He's got a fight on his hands against the fellow Welshman in Liam Williams. It's a proper domestic dust-up which could have major ramifications for the £160 division. Chris joined us on the show on Saturday to discuss. Please welcome the next-gen Chris Eubank Jr. I just flew back from Dubai, so yeah, it's a little, little time difference, but um, yeah, I was out there training, having a, little, uh, having a little bit of break after my last fight, but now we're back in a full training camp, getting ready for December 11th. Absolutely. Uh, and December, mate, has got everybody salivating. It's a proper fight. We're all extremely excited about it. And one thing that always makes me smile with you 
uh, is that you are not frightened of taking on anybody in any particular place. And to go to a Welshman's uh, back garden in Cardiff uh, in December, uh, I've, I've got a funny feeling you get off on stuff like this, mate. I think you kind of like going into dens like this, don't you? <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I get off on it, but you know, I have no problem at all being the bad guy. You know, I don't. I, I've been booed into arenas many times before, and it doesn't really affect me. If you know, if anything, I, I can actually use that energy and turn it into um, something that makes me fight even harder, which is you know a skill I've just I just have naturally. A lot of guys, you know, they get. Um, you know, deflated when when the crowd's not with them, or you know, if they're hearing the booze, or you know, the, the crowd isn't behind them. For me, you know, if I'm the bad guy, then I'll be the bad guy. It's okay as long as I get the job done. The ramifications of the fight are uh, are obvious for everybody because there's a marker there for you, isn't there? Liam's recently been in with Dimitris Andrade, who's the WBO champion at this weight division, and he went the distance. If you go in there and look impressive and do something uh, that Andrade couldn't do, then the noise is quite simple. Chris Eubank Jr. fights for a world title in 2022. Absolutely. You know, this is uh, this is a great domestic fight. It's a fight that the fans have been asking for for a while now. And um, yeah, this will set up um, some big, big fights in in uh, in 2022. But this itself is a big, big fight. You know, this is this yeah. is going to set. You know, tickets are already flying off the shelves and, and, and a lot of people are really excited about this, including myself. Um, you know, he fully believes he can go out there and beat me and you know, I know what I'm going to do to this guy, so um, it's going to be it's going to be great for the fans. Evening, Chris. Uh, it's great to have you on, as always. Um, the the what I like about this fight and what was exciting about it while it was being made and the T's were being crossed and the I's dotted was that we always say that styles make fights in boxing, and I've got to say, uh, when I see the silhouettes, when we think about the silhouettes of you both moving. This fight is brilliant in terms of styles. I mean, you you can't really get much more of a you know uh, an aesthetically pleasing matchup. You know, two fighters that um, we go to war, we we get it done, and uh, you know we both got heart, we both got a lot of output, and and we're afraid to take risks. You know, some guys are afraid to take risks. You know, you look at. You look at all these guys getting in the ring with Canelo, you know, they don't want to take risks. They want to survive. Um, this is not one of those fights. We're both going to go out there and, uh, and we're going to let them, we're going to let them hands fly. Do, do you feel with him, what you're suggesting is that because Liam is a come forward fighter, I mean, we saw it against Demetrius Andrade. He, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't go for, um, well, I'd be very surprised. I know we have to expect the unexpected in boxing, but I'd be very surprised if he sat on the back foot. Do you, does it suit you, someone coming forward and at you? Does it suit me? I mean, you know, I, I, I can deal with each and every situation that's put in front of me. I enjoy I enjoy a firefight. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, you know, if, if a guy wants to box and, and, and move, you know, that that then and it actually makes it easier for me because it's less energy. I I, I I'm throwing less punches if a, if a guy's running the whole time. Um, but yeah, I mean Williams is not is not that type of guy as far as I have seen. Um, so yeah, I expect I expect him to come out there and do what he did with Andrade, try and hunt try and hunt me down, you know. 
and um, you know I, I, I will decide. You know, after the first few rounds, rounds, I will know what the best tactic is to deal with him. I, you know, I'll throw the shots. I'll see what lands. I'll see what doesn't. I'll see how he moves, and um, you know, I'll either. I'll either blast him out of there or I'll box his head off, you know. You guys will have to wait and see which one of my uh, strategies I, I go with on the night. Uh, before we continue talking about uh, fighting, Chris, I just want to bring up Newcastle, obviously, the last time out, because me and Gareth were very, very fortunate uh, to be welcomed along by the boxer people for uh, for a few drinks after the show and, and what have you. And we were amazed to see the one and only Mr. Roy Jones Jr. spitting bars, I think they call it, the young people, in uh, in a Newcastle nightclub where uh, it was just absolutely going off. Did that take you by surprise or is that just a regular occurrence when you two are training that he gets on the microphone and shows you what it's all about? No, it didn't take me by surprise at all. <laughs> Roy is, you know, he, he's a full-time entertainer in and out of the ring. Um, he loves his rap. You know, we train in, in Pensacola at his gym, at his farm. We train to his music all the time. We we shadow box in, into the rhythm of the beats of his songs. And, uh, you know, he, he actually had a, he actually released uh, a single like a, a couple of months ago, you know, still at his age, you know, and it's actually pretty good. You know, it's, it's a good song. Um, so yeah, you know, being in the club with him after the fight, celebrating and having him rap, you know, it was uh, beautiful to see. He didn't need persuading, did he? As soon as that microphone came off, he was, he was on it, man. He was enjoying himself. Great tip there. Loved it. <laughs> to, to you, going back to the point about um, playing the heel, um, you know, it's going to be a raucous atmosphere up there in Wales. There's going to be massive support for Liam Williams. Do you, does something special come out from you, Chris, when you know you're going to go up there with your back against the wall? Because you can go in there, presumably. You're the kind of person that can go into a, an arena and be booed in, but be carried out on people's shoulders by winning them over. You know, and, and that's what's happened to me so many times in my career. You yeah. know, against me when I come into the ring, uh, and then, you know, they're cheering. The same guys that are shouting and, and calling me these names and trying to spit at me and doing all this stuff, you know, they're the same guys that on the way out of the ring are asking me for a picture. It's, it's, it's absolutely nuts. I've seen it happen so many times. Um, and I, I don't see this this fight being any different. Yes, he's going to have the, the, you know, the the hometown, the home crowd advantage. You know, everyone's going to be behind him. Um, you know, I'll have my people up there, obviously, but, you know, I, I'm guessing that it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be mostly his, his fans there. And, that, and that's fine, you know. It's not about fans. Once that bell goes, the fans aren't going to help. They're not going to help him. They're not going to save him. They're not going to... They're not going to affect the fight. Not not on my part, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't wait to get in there. Mm. Um, Chris, I know that your, your focus is fully on Liam Williams, uh, but it's not to get my attention or the fans' attention that your schedules are now kind of aligning uh, with Gennady Golovkin, who is fighting a couple of weeks after you against uh, Murata over in Japan. That's obviously a fight that uh, you would 100% say yes to uh, next year. Is that... Still the dream fight for 2022, you against Triple G. It has, it has to be. You know, who, who else is he going to fight? Uh, and, you know, in terms of the WBA, I'm, you know, obviously I was interim champion. Um, so if he gets that belt, then, you know, they, they have to make that fight. Who else do you guys, who, who else do you guys want to see fight GGG in the middleweight division, you know? Um and yeah, the schedule is aligned. You know, we we both fight in December. We 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 can take a break over the New Year's and get it on early next year. You know, it's it's perfect. 
So uh, we're going to be pushing heavily for that after uh, a dispatch of Williams. Well, uh, Chris, where does that fight take place for you? Is that a UK fight? Is it a USA fight? Is it a New York fight? Is it, where, where, where does it take place for you, if you can kind of envisage that? I mean, you know, listen, he, he uh, that's, a, that's the type of fight that will sell anywhere around the world. Um, a dream of mine has always been to fight at the Amex in Brighton, and that would be amazing if we could somehow get it there. But um, whether it's in London, whether it's in, you know, in Vegas at the MGM or T-Mobile Arena, the Madison Square Garden in New York, I don't know. It, it, it's a huge fight. And it, and it will be it will be in a huge venue for sure. Chris, just before we uh, let you go, obviously there's a fight going on uh, this evening in in your division between Jaime Munguia and uh, Gabe Rosado. Are you keeping across that, or is that not on your radar because uh, you're concentrating on your own thing and then obviously moving towards the super fight with Triple G? Or do you keep an eye on those guys that are bubbling around the, the top contenders? Is that that's middleweight or super middleweight? It's in the middleweight division that this evening, mate. Oh, I didn't even know. Um, no, yeah, I'm glad you told me. I will watch that. You know, any, 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 you know, any top middleweight fights, I, you know, I always keep an eye on. Um, and those are guys that you know I could very easily match up against in the future. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching. Now, a man that's been calling uh, for Chris Eubank Jr. to fight him is Zach Parker. He's up at super middleweight. And last weekend, he took care of Marcus Morrison in good fashion. It is likely now that he could be on the verge of a fight with Canelo. Random, this boxing game. Zach joined us on the show on Saturday to talk about, first of all, last weekend's performance. That's what Quinn's box for, to provide these good fights for the fans and obviously knockouts is what everyone wants to see. And um, yeah, I think I got a good one, obviously against Marcus, obviously never been, never been stopped being there with some good guys like Chris Eubank and that. And uh, I just wanted to make a statement to say I'm meant to be at like, the world level, top level, and uh, there's levels to this game. I think I showed it uh, on the weekend. Absolutely, mate. In front of the fans as well. We'll talk about that. And obviously topping the bill now on BT Sport and uh, Queensberry Cards, which is exciting. Uh, In the immediate aftermath, we're on the microphone and we're mentioning various people's names. And rightfully so. um, Because we're now number one. Well, we've been number one uh, with the WBO for some time. Um, We're going to talk talk about the story about getting there uh, right now. Um, That interview that you did after your fight obviously took place before... Canelo and Caleb Plant. Want to get your thoughts on that fight yeah. because it's a fight that has direct ramifications on your career. What did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was a good fight. Um, obviously, Canelo, Canelo, and he did did what he had to do. He got got a really good win, stoppage win against like another good fighter in Caleb Plant. Um, I think it was. I think um, Caleb Plant get, gave a bit too much room to him. That's what I was when I was watching it. I was thinking. He went straight back to the ropes really, really quick, and I don't think you should be doing that against like someone like Canelo. You need to stay in the middle of the ring, so you've got to, you got a little bit of space to move around. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's hard, hard doing it when when you're in there with the best path fan. And um, yeah, Canelo showed his level, didn't he? Mm, absolutely, man. And now obviously he's the undisputed super middleweight champion. He's the holder of that WBO yeah. belt. You're number one there, so therefore, and you're in a good position because WBO and IBF, I would say, out of the four sanctioning bodies are pretty strict with their mandatories. They do call them. They don't mess about with him and let things dwindle on. So therefore, yeah. I would imagine that call is going to come quite shortly. But what do you think he's going to do? What's your gut instinct? Do you think he will defend or do you think he will vacate? 
I think he'll be vacating. He wants like the massive fights, wants the big names. Like obviously you got like Bibchev and up at like Abby and uh, obviously the Glovkin rematch is still there. So he wants to make history and do all these like amazing things. But I'm still waiting for my chance. And obviously if he wants to put up against me and defend it, uh, I'm I'm ready and willing to do so. And uh, but if not, there's some there's some other big fights out there. If he wants to vacate and go for another. Um, weight weight class like like Evers, I'm I'm willing to put it up there with the number two. And that's uh, Danny Jacobs, and there's some good, really good fights in w, WBA rankings. Danny Jacobs, David Lemieux. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'm re- I'm re- I just want these massive fights now. Obviously, um, I, I was inactive for like two or three years, and now now I'm with Frank and that BT. I've, I'm 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 knocking on the door now, and I'm like to say, a happy fight is a um, hard fight to beat, and that's what I, I feel like at the minute. Yeah, I think the majority of fans would guess that. Listen, you can never second guess what Canelo's going to do, but you would guess that he would vacate and, and step up, and that would open the door for you and Danny Jacobs, who is yeah. you're the number one. He's the number two, which makes perfect sense. If he doesn't want to do that, then like you just mentioned, there, David Lemieux uh, is the number three as well. What do you make of this? Because I was reading something today uh, in one of the uh, newspapers that you can get on the tube, and it's it's a column done by Ricky Hatton. Uh, and he was yeah. asked, asked to tip three fighters who he thinks from Great Britain who could become world champion in 2022. He tipped yeah. Joe Joyce, he tipped Lyndon Arthur, and he tipped a certain Mr. Zach Parker. What does that, how does that make you feel when that's, Ricky Atten's saying things like that, mate? That's amazing, obviously. Um, Rick Atten, one of the legends of British boxing sport and who I watched growing up. Um, I was heartbroken when he lost to Floyd Mayweather back in the day. Went, obviously st- stayed up with all my family to watch it. We all supported him and uh, yeah thing, things like that give me a massive boost in boxing um, these massive names what are from the past are taking notice of me and um, yeah I'm really grateful for it and um, it shows I'm doing something right doesn't it absolutely mate absolutely it does um, I know that you've been vocal about Chris Eubank Jr that's another fight that I think a lot of fans have been salivating over but he's got himself a dance partner in the weight category below yeah. you he's gone he's staying at middleweight it seems my man he doesn't fancy 168 yeah. but he's having a dance with Liam Williams what did you make of that when that was made yeah I think it's going to be a really good fight um, both going to bring it um, both action always in action packed fight, fights and uh it's a really hard fight for Chris Eubank. Um, Liam Williams is a really good fighter, and um, I, 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 it's a pick and fight, isn't it? Uh, mm. it depends who, who turns up on the night, and uh, I, I'm, I, I think I'm going to go with um, Liam Williams. He's, he's a good. He's, he's on a roll at the minute. He just came off a really good, really good fight with um, Andre. So yeah, that's what I reckon he'll probably nick it. And it's in Cardiff as well, obviously. Leah Williams is yeah. his stomping going too, man. Yeah, in his own town, and it gives people that buzz, that little bit extra when all your fans are there cheering. And uh, and you see what Eubanks like when he's in in like a hostile place. He brings it as well. So it's whoever feeds off the crowd, doesn't it? Mate, yeah, absolutely. And who knows? Maybe those boys will fancy a dance at one six eight in the not too distant future with someone like yourself, and we that's can get what, it all. That's what, that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're aiming for. Like. We just want these massive fights now, so we can put my name up, up there with like the likes of Canelo and that. Obviously, I'm number one with him, but he wants the bigger names, and that's what I'm trying to get uh, these bigger names. And uh, yeah, you can, you can do that by facing these top fighters, and just they just need to put it all now because I'm ready. I'm ready to go. 
How are you enjoying the spotlight more? Because there's a lot, there's a lot of fighters that sign with promoters and television channels and they're, they're there straight away and they're kind of learning on the job right in front of our eyes. Yeah. I kind of like your route, mate. I like the way that you've done it, where it's been a little bit more local, a little bit more small hole building up. I mean, yeah. you were 19, I think you were 19 and all before you signed with Frank and started topping stuff with, with, with BT. How are you enjoying now the eyes being on the work yeah, that you're doing? That's it. I, that's what you're in box for. You want to be center, center attention, don't you? Uh, and uh, obviously, come up the hard way, like small shows, and then went with science for a little bit, and then we we parted ways. Now, now with Frank, that's where this this last year is like been tw- ten times better, maybe twenty times better than what anyone's done for me in the past. Like with promotional uh, deals and stuff like that, they they've been putting me out there every week, and. Um, even after my mates been saying, there's, there was like, oh, I can't believe how much you're getting put out all the time. I was like, <laughs> I'm the, I'm, I was like yeah, I'm the main man now. You know how it is. <laughs> but, um, Mate, yeah. but, yeah, but I, you, I you've, got to, you've got to take credit for that as well because you've earned that. Like you say, you've done the small yeah. old circuit. You, you've, done, you've paid your dues. You've worked hard. You've got yourself into a situation. And I think a lot more fighters need to do that route, you know, because then when they get to the op- the opportunities yeah. that are now coming your way, you appreciate them more and you actually That's work it. harder That's in that I, moment and make them count. That's what I said. Um, obviously, coming from small shows, everything's I, I, a bonus for me. Uh, it don't matter. Like, um, I, I, I love every every single fight that I go into now because it's like I've come from nothing and uh, it shows that anyone can do it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciative of Frank and BT really getting behind me and uh, it's, it's only a start. I've seen you... Um, recently as well being paraded round uh, Derby's home football matches my man I know that you're a big Derby yeah. boy uh, we'll talk about football in a minute I know that might depress a few people talking about Derby County <laughs> moment, but we'll, we'll get stuck into that in a minute but the, the, the there is a real prospect a real prospect that you could actually end up fighting in that stadium at some point I mean Frank's got a track record especially with the WBO he's got a track record of doing things right and getting the top names yeah. you mentioned the Danny Jacobs and David Lemieux, if it's not going to be Canelo, to come to the UK, to put it on in yeah. Derby. I mean, that's that's what you dreamt of when you that's, were a little lad, weren't it? It's crazy, if, uh, just speaking about it, yeah, like even now, um, I go down and watch football all the time, like down Derby, and uh, just imagine me, I, sometimes I just I sit there like in my spot, in my seat, and just imagine like what it'd be like with uh, wow. a big boxing crowd, and it'd be amazing, and uh, it'd be a dream come true, obviously, now with Frank, they, they're, the, they're the people to do it. You've seen, you've done it with like Warrington, um, Ricky Atten, um, Joe Kazagi. You've done it with all the top top guys and hopefully Zach Park will be the next one to do it. Is America on the bucket list as well at some point, mate? That's uh, that's another one that, that's another one I do. Um, you see, like obviously Danny Jacobs is number two. I'd, I, won't even, I wouldn't be bothered to go over to Madison Square Garden and face him in New York in his back garden. Uh, I know what I can do in boxing. I, these big, these massive fights, especially in Madison Square Garden, it's such a historic place for boxing. Um, this, these are sort of nights what I've been thriving for, and uh, now I'm just coming to my my like top like my my A game. I think this is time to do it. I think one thing as well to to stress with people that watch you. You're putting people over, right? And we saw with Marcus last weekend, you're yeah. putting people over. But it's not reckless power. It's not like you're just no. wazzing it around and it's just catching somebody. There's a lot of no. thought going into that. Do you, do you think you're getting enough credit at the moment as a boxer? Because a lot of people refer to you as the power guy. Do you think you're getting yeah, enough yeah. credit as, as a bit of a technician? Because there's a bit of precision that is going into your work as well. And I think that is actually the reason why you're putting a lot of guys over too. 
Yeah, that's it. That's what I think someone said. Um, I've got something about my power. I said, well, it ain't just that. It's like the way I set it up. It's got, it's, I'm like awkward, off top, southport, and then it's all about the feints. And then when you catch them, they don't, they yeah. don't see it coming. That's why they get put over. Um, it ain't just because I've got that much. I'm too much bigger than them now. Just knock them over for anything. It's all, it's all, it's all set up uh, by these little tricks. And yeah, I, I, I feel like. These last couple of fights, obviously, the selling power because I've knocked them out and that. But yeah, um, I'm still waiting to show what I'm um, all about, especially on BT. Uh, they, ain't, they ain't seen enough of me yet, um, especially because it's uh, every fight's gone a bit quick and that. Um, but hopefully, they'll see a bit more boxing from me. I was got, I, I was a good amateur back in the day. I won four or five national am- uh, championships, boxer England and that. So yeah, um, got a little bit of pedigree behind me as well. You don't have to tell me that, mate. I know. <laughs> but you, That's it. Just letting what, everyone else know. Yeah, but the thing is, when you, when you, when you burst onto the scene, and, and, and it, it, it kind of feels like that, because obviously I think you only signed yeah. with Frank in March. There's been a couple yeah. of, like, you, like, like your mates have said, you're everywhere now. Everybody's talking That's about true. Zach Parker in this particular division, and, you, and every time you show up, you're putting people over. So therefore, it's nice just to paint a picture for fans. Listen, there's a bit yeah. of things that went on before all that, how are you, I said, how are you dealing with the spotlight, obviously walking down the street and getting recognised and all that type of carry on. What's it like fighting in front of that amount of people? It's mint now, because obviously the last two fights have been like, one was behind closed doors and then, yeah. I, I think I had more pressure on me that one behind closed doors because it was the first fight with Frank and then the week of the, week of the fight said, no, you're being put up to the top of the bill. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, best perform. No, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's, all eyes are on me and uh yeah, I felt a bit more nervous for that one than I did my last one. So, yeah, I, I love I love boxing in front of fans. You thrive off the fans, and it's, especially my, my, that last fight, I had a mint atmosphere. It was a really good atmosphere. It was good, and everyone really got behind me. Even like all the Stoke fans from uh, Nathan Eanes, like they all still got behind me. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. I, I, that's what I want. These massive fights in massive arenas, and uh, I think it's only around the corner. Mm. Come on, we're going to have to finish on a bit of football, mate. I know that it's a, it's yeah. a touch depressing. We we your side. I mean, what what's the crack? How many how many points deductions are you going to go through this season? What's going on? I don't. Well, I, f- I feel like um, Rooney's doing quite all right job for us. Obviously, we went into yeah. we got points deducted when into administration, but I think we've only lost like one or two since that, and we're we're only like I think it's like three or four points behind there. One ones in front of us. If we didn't have any points deducted, we'd be close to the playoffs. So yeah, he, can't, he, he ain't been doing too bad of a job, but still like a long season ahead, and we need to get some buys in in place, uh, especially before uh, the Christmas when the transfer window opens up, because that's when they'll sell all the players. Because obviously we're in debt and that. Uh, but listen, it'll be amazing if we just stay up, and uh, then we'll get around, then we'll get around it all around next year. So hopefully we we'll stay up and we we'll do that. It would be an amazing achievement if you stayed up, given the situation. Know, yeah. Brilliant, mate. The, the people That's of Derby, need, they need a sporting star to celebrate. That's what they need, my man. And you're the guy. You're the guy. We, need, <laughs> <laughs> we need to put on some events for them to go and get yeah. excited about. Definitely, um, mate. Definitely. What's this period now like? Because you've got to the point, 22 and all, you've served your dues, mate. You're there. You're ready to rock and roll. You know what's going to happen. The WBO yeah. are going to call this at some point. It's a bit of a waiting game now, isn't it? How how do you yeah. look after yourself in this situation? Do you can you ease off for Christmas? Do you do you just yeah. take over? What do you do? I've been told I've been told to have a good Christmas, enjoy myself and that, and uh, we're trying to get like the next fight will probably be like March time. That's what they yeah. said. But I've said to everyone, I'm not waiting around for 
these like Canelo fights or anything. I just want to stay busy. I've had I'm 27 now, so I'm coming into my prime, and I just want to be stay stay busy and uh, keep showing everyone what I'm about. Um, you only get these massive fights if you if you like you're looking good in every fight, and that's what I want to keep doing. And uh, hopefully, we'll get that world title get soon. Where's the celebrations happening this weekend, Mix? I know that you're out with your pals. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to races tomorrow, so I'll have, have, yes. have a couple of beers. Uh, see, Why not, it, mate? You know I mean? Why not? You've earned it, mate. You've earned it. I've got, I've got my fresh trips. So I've got to do something about it. You've got to let them know, man. Now then, let's look ahead to next weekend. We've been crying out for a super fight at welterweight for a long, long time. I think we've got one. Mm. The WBO champion, Terence Crawford, is defending against Sean Porter. Both men were on the show on Saturday. We'll start with the champ. Here's Terence. Have mercy on my soul. Don't let my heart turn cold. Have mercy on many men. Not backing down. He's bringing the fight to Sean Porter. Sean Porter's the bigger fighter. Sean Porter's the bigger name. Porter Express. Stylistically, that's good for Porter, but that was a devastating right hand to the body. Oh, Terrific right hand, and here comes the referee. Oh! Crawford versus Porter, November 20th in Las Vegas. This is more than a test for Terrence Crawford. This is, his livelihood is on the line and everything that he's about is on the line. This is my time right now and I feel, I truly feel like it's my time to shine. I will shine November 20th. I wasn't looking to fight Sean Porter uh, when I when I stepped up in the welterweight division. Uh, but, you know, being that he's one of the top welterweights in the world, you know, here we are, and I'm looking forward to it. Do you think Sean Porter opens the door, or does he shut the gate, given, in your head, the type of performance that you're going to put in when I'm talking about the prospect of fighting the other top welterweights that are out there right now? Uh, I don't know. We shall see. You know, I hope, I hope for the best. Is he your most significant challenge, do you think? Up to up to this point in your career, I don't know. You know, I've faced them, uh, great champions in in my career. At the point of time that I faced them at, uh, this is just uh, one of the big challenges that I've been yet to face. And that being that this is a top PPC fighter. So everybody always want to see how I fared against PBC top fighters, mm. you know, being that this is one of them, you know, um, we're here now. I, I like the calmness, the calmness about you, my man. Do you, again, we spoke about this in the past, regarding credit from fans and pundits, and you've just mentioned there, there's always that, well, He's got to fight the guys from, from PBC and what have you. Do you think you get a little bit of an unfair shake when it comes to the credit that should be awarded to the guys in this division? Uh, of course. You know, I feel like I get a lot of unfair, you know, uh, a lot of things being that they had all the welterweights on their side, you know, and they was fighting each other and I wasn't able to fight none of them and, you know, a lot of people criticize me for not being able to get certain fights made when it wasn't in my power to even get those fights made. All I can do is ask for them, 
and call for him. But, you know, that's water under the bridge now. And me and Sean Porter is fighting. And, you know, hopefully this is the beginning of uh, some a bright future. How um, has recent times and, and disappointments affected you? Because we all thought that we were heading towards a Manny Pacquiao fight. I mean, we've been, we've been thinking about that for you. Terence, haven't we? For, since 2015, we've probably had about 10 conversations about it since. Um, now, obviously, he's retired. Is there a disappointment surrounding that situation? Of course, of course. You know, uh, very. I was very disappointed that I wasn't able to land that fight when it was right in front of me. And, um, you know, it was a little bittersweet. But at the same time, everything happened for a reason. And, you know... Uh, I believe everything is already written and, you know, it wasn't written for me and him to fight. The other two top guys um, that you've been heavily linked with, originally Keith Thurman, you were probably the only one that was uh, calling for that fight when Keith Thurman was the number one in the welterweight division. And, and since that, obviously, Errol Spence. Um, what did you make of Errol when asked about a possible fight with you in the future, and he started talking about purse splits straight away and referring to it being an 80-20 or a 70-30 in his favor. Well, you know, that just tells it all right there. You know, uh, those guys wasn't too excited to get in the ring with me like I was excited to get in the ring with them. You know, uh, I was calling out the top welterweights before I was even on a welterweight, you know, uh, they was all telling me I needed to get a belt. I wasn't a real welterweight yet. And this wasn't my weight class and whatnot. And after I fought Jeff Horn, I got my belt and I'm like, okay, so I got something to offer now. So fights didn't happen. So, you know, uh, that's the past, though. That's history. You know, um, we're here now, and, you know, I'm going to show the world why I'm the best fighter in the world. Do you, think, do you think a fight with Errol Spence will ever happen? Because you seem to have concluded, listen, he doesn't want to dance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Who is the, um, obviously, you're the current main man at the at 147. Where do, you, where do you see the future uh, of this division when you're looking at the likes of uh, Jerome Ennis and, and, and Virgil Ortiz? Who do, you, who do you look at there, those young 20-odd-year-olds that are coming through that would dominate this division in years to come? Well, I ain't no psychic, you know, uh, and this sport is boxing, so any any given day, you know, somebody can get hit with the wrong shot and, you know, it's over with. But, you know, um, the future is bright for all these up and coming young fighters. You know, they all getting to the point where, you know, if they don't have a title, you know, they campaigning for a title. So, you know, the new generation is is the bigger threat now. Like when I was young and I was the new generation, I was a big threat to those that was in front of me as well. Um, I'm sure you've been asked this many times this week, my friend. Um, it's well documented that it's the last one on your, on your top ranked deal. Um, and there's been frustrations in the past regarding fights and various things that that, that might not have materialized is the best route for Terence Crawford, given the star that you are and the talent that you are is the best route to try free agency and go down the Canelo route and therefore pitch those fights to the highest bidder. 
I don't know. We shall see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait till after this fight then, my man. Regarding yeah. weight, regarding weights, because you've gone through 135, you've gone through 140, undisputed there. Now we're at 147, obviously chasing greatness here as well. Is that, would you even, would you contemplate 154 if you can't get the right fights for yourself at 147? For sure. For sure. Is, is, there anything up, is there anything up there that attracts you? Is there anything that you're interested in up there? A title. <laughs> a title. Listen, there's some, ni- there's some nice fights up there if you, if you wanted to go up, my man, you know? Um, someone like you and a Charlo would be, would be quite fun. Real fun. <laughs> I love the way that you answer my question. Just finally, if you may have seen a couple of your old adversaries, it's hotly rumored that they are going to fight each other. Kel Brook has said that he signed part of his deal for a fight with Amir Khan. I know that Amir has been spending a bit of time with yourself in camp. What do you make of that? I know that maybe it's a few years past its sell by date, but what do you make of that fight? I still think it's a, a, a great fight. You know, um, Kel Brook is still, you know, talented as ever, and so is Amir Khan. I just felt like, you know, at this point of time in their career is the best time for them to fight each other, you know, right now, while people still talking about them. And uh, it's going to be a great fight when they fight. Just on your November 20th date with with Sean, obviously it's well documented, your friends. Um, How easy is it just to part that friendship for a short period of time? and go to war with someone that you're very familiar with? Oh, real easy. Once we're in the ring, we ain't no friends. So, there you have it. That's what the champ's got to say. Let's hear from the challenger, the two-time welterweight champion, Sean Porter, who was also joined by his trainer and father, Kenny Porter, who's got a wicked story about Alexander Usyk. Check this out. This particular uh, level uh, of fight is not going to be the norm. And the reason why is because this this is kind of is far and few in between where you have two elite guys that are at the highlight of the careers that can get in the ring. Um, not to say that there aren't other guys who can unify divisions and things like that, but uh, I just got a feeling that those other fighters who can and have the ability to unify, they'll be taking on lesser competition until you know they're they're kind of forced into the mega fight in a lot of ways Terrence was forced into this mega fight I don't think it Mm -hmm. took him very long to say okay but the fact that he said he had to say okay instead of saying yes or let's go you know or or literally pointing me out you know um that doesn't happen very often so um I think that it's important that it becomes the norm uh but I I got a feeling that it'll, it'll it won't continue as as this is as elite as this is but we'll start to see more elite competition getting in the ring against one another and i think that it will it will uh improve um the the life that boxing has you're a bit of an anomaly in the modern game you're you're the epitome of the anytime anywhere any place uh, type of guy you got an opportunity obviously uh, on november the 20th to become a three-time world champion in the welterweight division. How much do you believe that your legacy is on the line with a fight like this? You know what I do? Um, and, and for very good reason. I think that when you take a look at the elite level of competition that I've been in the ring with and the results of those those fights, even if you may have felt like I won those fights, um, 
I think that this is that next big one that it will make the difference of whether you say Sean Porter was a winner or you say Sean Porter was just a fighter in big fights, you know? So I don't, I don't want to be known as that fighter who was in, in big fights, but didn't pull it off, you know? So this is that next big one for me. But this, this has always been the norm in your life. And if I can bring your, your father into the conversation as well, because throughout your amateur career, you were always taking on the best of the best. And I believe that recently he reminded you that you've got a victory over Alexander Usyk in, in, that, in, that, in those amateur times when you were competing at middleweight. Kenny, can you, can you remember that particular fight from taking on the now unified heavyweight champion? That particular fight, yes. Um, since we had previously, prior to fighting him, we had fought Danny Jacobs probably three or four times. We had beaten him. Uh, since we had also competed against uh, Edwin Estrada, I mean, uh, Ed, Edwin, yeah, no, no, Sean Estrada, who would be the mm. Olympian, who was over six feet tall also. And uh, back then in the amateur system, they were giving us the scores in between rounds. Mm-hmm. And it was a close fight. And I think he was, you know, he was up a, a, a two to three points, pretty much the first round and two to three points after the second round. And, you know, he was, you know, he's, he's that kind of fighter. He was, he was ahead of us in this. And uh, I implored Sean going into that last round, I implored him. I just, I just really pushed for him to really go at this guy in that last round. And in that last round, we were able to pull it out. He caught him with something that rocked him. Actually, kind of stopped the guy in his tracks. And then when he, when he, when he did that, it might have been a right hand. When he did that, right, right hand. When he did that, he jumped right on the guy. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I really felt that we had pulled it off and we had a chance to win that fight at that point. And Sean kept pouring it on until the bell, bell rang. So, yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday. It's an amazing story. Obviously, that was when you were competing at middleweight, Sean. Obviously, now down at welterweight. I got the a better game. one for you if you got a second. If you've, if you've got the time, story, I've got the time. Yeah, go I'm for it. I'm on my story kick because Sean was on his story kick. <laughs> Years later, I take a team to Russia and to the Ukraine. My top fighter on that team that day was Errol Spence. How funny is that? So I take this team to the Ukraine. And when we get there, uh, you know, Usyk at this point, he's a gold medalist. He's won a gold medal. And uh, they have this big dinner for us. They brought in the Ukrainian team. And they talked about how the Ukrainian team had medaled and won so many medals and the most dominant team in the Olympics and all of these things like that. And I didn't have anyone on my team that day who had even been to a world tournament, who had been to a international competition of a note and won anything. I didn't have anyone. These guys didn't have any experience. Al Spence didn't have any experience with it. And so I just felt that we had you know, nothing to say and that they were just going on and on about this great team. And they had Alexander up here and they were praising him. So I told the translator that they gave me, who was with me the whole time we were there for two weeks. I told him, I said, you tell them that my son beat him. 
And the translator is a young college kid. He said, I can't say that. You know, I can't say, I said, no, you, you tell them that my son beat him. He said, I can't, I, sir, I can't, you can't, I can't do that. So Alexander's standing up there and they're talking about him and, you know, he's taking pictures and everything. And I yell out, I said, my son beat him. <laughs> right. And the whole Ukrainian, everybody, you know, that was there, they laughed. <laughs> you know, they laugh because they only know him as Olympic gold medalist. They don't know, right? And they're laughing. And I said, I turned to the translator again. I said, tell him what I said. And so he said it, right? And they're laughing. And Alexander says, yes, his son beat me. Fair play, and man. the whole room went quiet. <laughs> right? <laughs> I like it. Sean, if I may just bring you back in for, for a second, obviously this fight coming up on November the 20th uh, against Terence. As I look around the whole weight, welterweight division, stylistically, are you the most capable to be able to beat Terence and hand him his first defeat in the professional game? I do believe that I am. I think, um, I think stylistically, uh, I think that uh, with, with, with Terence, there's got to be multiple uh, strategies got to be multiple techniques and, and styles. And um, there's not too many guys in the boxing world in general, especially not in the welterweight division who have multiple styles. I think um, the welterweight division is that, that division that offers a level of speed that you get from the lighter weights and also a level of, of power that you get from the heavier weights and which makes this fight even more interesting because it's like a situation where you never know when it's going to happen. Um, mm. But I think when you look around the rest of the division, nobody has that that combination that I have of speed, quickness, and power, and durability, and experience, and the list goes on. And Terrence hasn't seen that. Is the, is the approach, Sean, 12 mini fights rather than one whole fight to give 12 different looks throughout the course of the fight in a way? I I like that. I didn't. I didn't look at it as twelve fights. I, I actually was looking at it more like three fights. Uh, <laughs> but, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Listen, how much confidence do you take uh, going into the fight, knowing full well that you have a win on your ledger over the current and new WBA welterweight champion, um, and you've obviously been in there with Errol, the uni unified champion, a narrow split decision loss on that. Perception's everything, isn't it? A victory against Terence Crawford, and all of a sudden you become the man at 147 yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly what happens. And for me, it's just the understanding that I've had every experience required uh, to be in the ring on fight night against Errol Spence, excuse me, against Terence Crawford to get the job done. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Also next weekend, there's a bit of action coming to you live from Wembley here on Talk Sport. There's a British light heavyweight title on the line. Josea Burton is taking on this guy, Dan Aziz. And Dan Aziz joins us on the show. Good shot. It was Aziz was a lovely chopping right hand. Beautiful. And he's hurt. And Aziz. Aziz. It comes to tell there from Mark Tibbs. He was caught there by Aziz. Our goal is obviously to be the British champion. I want to clear up domestically. So yeah, Hosea Burton, he's the, he's the one man. And he was really like calling out my name. Sometimes he should be careful what you wish for. Since I won the Southern Area, won the English, I've always said, look, the step is to try and get that British um, title. And um, like it's, I'm here fighting for it on a big platform against a very good boxer as well, because I think it's also it's, it's all good winning the um, Lonsdale belt. But for me, it's a lot about a legacy as well. And I think Hosea Burton's um, a very good boxer. He's been at that stage already. I would class him probably fringe world level. And yeah, to beat him, and be able to put my name down in the history books as a British champion, it's just, um, it'll be amazing, man. So, yeah. It is. Uh, listen, just on Jose, we'll, we'll, we'll talk him first because he's yeah. got two, he has got two defeats on his ledger, but if anybody's actually watched his career, against Frank Budlione, he's winning that fight until he gets chinned in the last round. Uh, of course. And, and fair enough against Jan Bolotniks. We saw what Bolotniks did uh, over on yeah. these shows most re- recently. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough fight for anybody. He exactly. is a very capable dude next week. But your styles, mate, I know Gareth absolutely loves when various styles just gel together and mesh together. You and him next week will be providing yeah. some serious fireworks for the fans that have paid for the ticket. Yeah, that's what I'm That's what I'm, I'm hoping, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'll, as much as I, you know, want to get in there, win, and that's the main thing, but I also want to entertain. I want people to be excited when I'm fighting. And like you mentioned, our styles, I think, are perfect to make for a bonfire night. Like, he's nice, long and rangy, tall, and he can crack. And I'm, you know, the smaller stockier lad that likes to get on the inside and I've got a few fair bit of knockout and on my re- resume as well so I think it'll make for a good fight man I, I, I'm excited man I really am 
For for someone like you though, Dan, um, yeah, I think you've been quite active um, in in the in the COVID era, if you like, because I think you've had um, three, you know, you've three fights. In, three yeah, you've had three fights. I mean, we, we've been talking about this a lot on the show. There's a lot of there's a lot of fighters that haven't fought for a year. Yeah, that's yeah, um, of course. Yeah, and so so you've managed to keep oiled in that time. What I want to know is, yeah. um, are you um, are you using your degree? at all in accounting and finance are you combining a career climbing the ladder in boxing with yeah. making money while you're accounting no unfortunately well not fortunately i'm focused full-time on boxing but the only time the accounting comes in use is when i got a because i'm a professional boxer i'm obviously self-employed so when i have to do my taxes and whatnot i don't have to go and i don't have to go, to, don't have to go and hire anybody i could just do it myself so that's one place it um it counts for and and helps me out in so yeah but in terms of the actual profession i'm solely just focused on my um, boxing at the moment and yeah we 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 were talking earlier about the light heavyweight division in respect of um, you know what Canelo did last weekend against Caleb Plant and you know he's considered universally as the number one pound for pound at the moment. Can I ask yep. your opinion about um, uh, Canelo stepping up to light heavyweight and what you think he does against a Dimitri Bivol, b Joe Smith Jr. and c first of all. Arta Baturbiev. Okay, the first two, Bivol and, um, and um, Smith. Smith. I think he he, be, he beats both of them. Not probably knocks out Bivol. Mike, because Adam uh, um, is it Smith? Yeah, Joe Smith. He's he's tough and rugged. And I actually have mates in America who know know of him and whatnot. And they say he's really he's a strong puncher and he's game. So I think he might give Canelo a bit more of a rough time. But I think Bivol. Bivol's not really a big light heavy, so he won't have that advantage on Canelo. So I would, and Canelo can box. So I would, I would say later on in the rounds, maybe Canelo would stop Bivol, and then for Baturviev, um I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. That one's an iffy one because that Baturviev guy is a monster, man. Punches like one, looks, looks like one. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm not too, too sure, and I'm not. I don't know if Canelo would take that fight, but I would be really intrigued to see what happened, what would happen in that fight. Jump, jump in for one more. And now there's one more question. In the yep. WBA rankings, yeah. the number yeah. nine, does the number nine in the WBA rankings take an opportunity to fight for a world title? And it's called Dan Aziz, yeah? <laughs> um, if if he flattens Hosea Burton, would you just go to a world title if you were thrown into one, if you were picked? Do you know what I would do? do? Because at the end of the day, is every boxer's dream. And you ask all the boxers, what's the goal? What's the aim? And it's always to be a world champion. You never know if you're ever going to get a shot. There's only a handful of boxers that actually become world champions. And if I get offered the opportunity, I'll take it with um, two hands, 100%, man. Like... Um, when I even funny you even mentioned that when I first saw that I was like what is is this a mistake or something like why <laughs> what am I doing in this in the rankings like but you know um you're yeah, winning I'm, I'm, yeah, you're winning not, is, that's think, what you're doing Dan you're winning you're beating people yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean but I, I think I'm not even to, to correct you graph I think I'm even moved to number eight you know you there might want to check yeah <laughs> you might want to check so yeah man it's it's good it's a good look like um 
I'm in there, Craig's in there, Buatzi's in there. We, we're all from the same kind of era. Like we, we, all three of us came up in the amateurs around the same time. We all live in South London. So it's great to see, man. And it's, it's good to, for the guys in our area looking up, looking at us at, to see us as an example. Like, look, you know, this is so-and-so and whatnot. Look, they're yeah. in the world ranking. So it's, it's a good look, man. I'm, I'm happy. Dan, you just brought some uh, up there that I just wanted to touch yep. upon. Everybody talks about that world level and they'll bring up Baturbia, they'll bring up Bivol and all those guys, Joe yeah. Smith. But British domestic scene and light heavyweight, mate, we have got some lads yeah. that could genuinely make legacy fights for years to come. You've just mentioned some of them there. You know, I mean, Callum Smith just comes to this weight division. Callum Johnson's in this weight division. You lads could do a bit of a round robin and create a, a bit of an era that I yeah. like me as a kid growing up in the nineties that experienced the likes of Collins, Ben and Eubank when they were going exactly, at it. Exactly. You could exactly, create something really special. Exactly that. And it's it's a shame, man, because we're in like an era where it's a lot about ego, platforms, this, that, promoters. Like there's so much talent in the in the light heavyweight scene from not like one to ten. We should all just mix it up and just have like a tear up and do you know what I mean I don't think anyone really and truly loses in that um situation like but it's hard to make a lot of these fights like I said because of promoters and stuff but I would love to I always say we should all just have a round robin everyone versus everyone like it will just it'll be so entertaining and boxing in the UK is I think it's thriving at the moment like it's it's the best it's probably been in a while like you know before we used to think you got to go to the US to like be a star and this that no now they're all coming down to our shores and stuff so do you know what i mean it will be a fantastic time and i want to be in fights where people remember decades to come and and whatnot like i still watch ben versus eubank i still watch eubank versus watson like do you know what i mean win lose or draw any of them they're great fights and that's what i'm about legacy building my that's the whole reason why i wanted to win the southern the english british i want to you know be part of history and yeah I'd I'd love to I'd love to do it if it can be if it can be done. Well, yours gets underway next week against uh, Jose Alberto mate, for the uh, British Light Heavyweight Championship. When that bell goes, what can the fans expect? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah fireworks, man! Fireworks. <laughs> do you know what? Because do, do you know what it is? I I I Jose is trying to be the you know a two-time British champion, which yeah. not a lot of people have done, and I'm trying to be like the first light heavy to. Of won all domestic titles yeah. in the light heavy. I don't think there's anyone that's done that. So if we're both going into the fight with this mindset, with no one's there to lose. So you can only expect fireworks and you know a good, good fight. So yeah, man, please tune in November 20th, Sky Sports. Um, yeah, man, and and I, I hope to give you a lot of fantastic fight. Now, if you're into your reality TV, you might be familiar with the guys from Geordie Shore. There's a young gentleman on there called Aaron Chalmers. Well, he was on there. He's then stepped into the world of mixed martial arts, did quite well uh, performing on the Bellator stage. He's now stepping into the boxing ring and Gareth caught up with him for a chat. Chris, he's done it! The Americano is on, listen to the crowd! Chalmers said he would do it! 
I'm switching um, to the pro boxing game. But see, with the MMA, I, I always have a regret of I never took it fully serious, Gareth. I would do an eight-week training camp. I would because I won the first fight. I, I would just say I won. I done an eight-week camp, won or lost. Then I would go missing for two, three months on the drink, partying. Then I would get another fight booked in, and I would do the same again eight weeks. So I was never any better from the first fight to the last fight because I never, I never continued the trip. So I would, I would, I would get in camp. I would get. It would take six weeks to get fit. Then I would do two weeks of maybe technique. But I was never any better in any in any area because I never put the work in. And I always regret thinking if I had done it properly, where would I have? Where would I have been? But in a way, I always I now look and think it wasn't meant to be. It's pushed us into the direction of I'm now I've just I've done my pro license um two weeks ago. So I'm just I've got to do me, me brain scanning me medical again to get that. I've been down with Adam Booth for 14 months, consistent. The only time I've been home is when my baby was born and when I when I've been injured not a few weeks ago. So it's been a pretty I've been through three of McConnell's um three three of McConnell's fights with them. Three of his camps, all of them for 12 weeks at a time. So, do you spar with think, him or not? Do you spar with him? We do body sparring because he's a lot smaller, but he's he's powerful. He's really powerful. But it's you know it is it's a good mixture because we've got we've got lads at the top of the game, your Josh Kelly's, your Mick Conlins, and we've got all the way down to lads who are just having the first pro fight, amateurs. So it's a good mixture of people, and I think from when people. People see me last MMA fight. It was kind. I was kind of sloppy. I was just. I was just a bit of a brawler. To what I've been learning under Adam Booth in in his gym. I think there's going to be a big surprise. And like I say now, when I have a fight, I'll not be going missing for three months because I, now I don't drink. So what I'll be doing is having a fight, maybe having a few slices of cheesecake, and then I'll be going back down the gym this the same the same week because I've only got two or three years to to do this because I'm 34 now. So I'm going to do it. I want to do it properly and, and end on a high. So just tell me about the, the, the obviously you fought as a pro MMA fighter. I know that you were a formidable kickboxer when you were younger as well. Um, you're transferring your skills. How do you, do you, are, are you looking at the Jake Pauls and the Tommy Furies at this world? Or are you looking, you know, to, to fight guys who are just starting in their career? Are you looking at, Celebrity no, YouTube fights or what is it? No, no. So I'll be honest with you. So I was asked this, like I was asked this. So Adam, me, and Adam sat down and he was like, "Do you want to go down the route of just the celebrity route?" And I was like, "No, because that's not being a, that's not that's not fulfilling me being a professional boxer." So me fighting three people from Love Island and in this place and that place, it's not it's not. I'm not gonna in three years time be like, "Oh yeah, I was a pro boxer because I wasn't." So I've decided to knock that on the head and go for the pro ranks um, and give it everything I've got. And I, I, not, not that I think, I kind of know that once I get a couple of fights in, the doors will open for your Tommy and your Jake. But I'm not really going to, I'm not going to mention them too much because I haven't had a fight yet. But I know once I do the first fight, people will start to get talking. It'll be, it'll be aired on wherever it's aired and, that's when the doors will open. Um, Do you see those yeah. guys though, Tommy and Jake, and think, "Nah, I've got the bettering of them." Yes, 
Yes. Do you know, I, I'm, 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 as you know, I'm always quite confident. Um, but because I've been in the gym so consistent for so long, yes, I, I, I do like, I do believe I, I get the better of them. I know they're a lot bigger than me. Like, but when I hear Tommy talking, when I've heard him in interviews, he's like, yeah, I've just done an eight week camp. And it reminds us of the old me. So he does an eight week camp, but then he, then you see him smoking cigars in, in like at Tyson's after party and stuff, which is fair enough. His brother's champion of the world, but he reminds us of me doing an eight week camp. And he never really seems to be getting better because he's just going back and forth to the eight week camp. So I think if, 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 or when we fight, I think I have I have both their numbers, but it's early days for me, so I'm not going to say too much. But I, I let the boxing do the talking. I've got to ask you though, what do you think of Jake and Logan Paul? I I, I like them. I don't mind them. I think the the know the clearly know what they're doing in in the uh, in the world of 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 boxing because it's entertainment. They're not going to be they're not going to be world champions. They've come on the scene. Jake's fighting Tommy Fury. He's four. Tyrone Woodley. Logan's fought Mayweather. So they're obviously doing something, right? You know what I mean? So, I mean, if I if I can get a snippet, Tommy, Jake, and Logan, I'll retire and and have a tremendous life because of them. So I'm not going to call them any name under the sun because they kind of come from a similar background to me, and they're smashing it. So good luck to them. Um, what weight division do you fit into then? Um, middleweight, 72. 72. I was going to go... So, I fought in MMA at 77, 74, 73 and 70. Uh, I felt the best at 73. That's when I felt the fittest. And uh, I feel like I was too small for Lightweight. 77. Too small for se- what, 170. For yeah, for but seven months. For, yeah. For light. But you had to drain too much for lightweight, yeah? Mm. yeah. yeah. For lightweight, I kind of lost all power and stuff. So... But like I say, 72, and then obviously if the Tommy and Jay comes in, I will just go up to 79. But like now, because I've got I've got such good strength and conditioning, people around us and everything. If we got if we just say we signed the fight for one of them in a heavier weight, I would have a full 12 week plan. So I'll be I would be I wouldn't be draining myself. I'd be fully fueled in in and at a, at a good a good nice weight. You um. There's two things really. What drives you to do this? And also, I know that you sometimes talk about the the kind of anxieties in life, and like you say, you've talked about drinking and kind of like getting out of it. Um, how important is it for you to pass that on to other people? But also, what drives you to want to do this? You know what drives us, right? What drives us is everyone. Everyone telling me. Ever since I was little, right? Ever since I was little, if someone told me I couldn't do something, it's it's like a, it's something in my head. I think I'm gonna go and do it. Like I remember when I was about, I think I was 14, and I was I was I was playing a goal, playing as a goalkeeper for like under under 14s, under 15s, and I remember trying to do I mean, I tried to do five keepy ups and I couldn't, right? Couldn't do it. And that was it. From that day, I quit being a goalkeeper. And I was like, I'm going to be a footballer. From 14 to 14, 15, 16, I went, to co- I went to college at 16. And I was in the college football team, which was semi-pro. And I nearly got scouted for Ross County. And that was just by pure determination of people telling us that I couldn't do something. So it's the same with the boxing. 
someone tells me I can't do it, like people say, you'll never get the Jake Paul fight, you'll never get the Tommy fight. But everything I've set out to do in everything, in my career, in my, my scaffolding, I wanted to be on the oil rigs, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do this on Jory Shaw. Everything I've set out to do, I've done it through PR determination, just to prove people wrong and to prove myself right. And even more so now, I've got two young boys to look up, that look up to us. So I would like them to go down the route of, of sports, football, whichever sport they choose, football, boxing, rugby, whichever sport, that whatever, anything, dancing, I don't care. But I want them to be heavily involved in sport. And what better to look up to the dad and say, oh, well, my dad, my, my dad was a pro boxer. He had 10 fights or he had, he had eight fights. Do you know what I mean? So there's more determin determination than ever. But the main thing is, there's people telling us that, that I can't do it. When do you think we'll see you? Um, I, you're not revealing who you've signed with at the moment. Obviously, as you say, Adam's training you, Adam Booth, David Hay, George Groves, all these other guys. He's worked with so many. The other week, um, we commented on one of his stories and he replied. And I was just saying, oh, I've switched over to pro boxing. And he was like, oh, yeah, amazing move. You'll do really well. I, I always thought that since the Bama days, because obviously he called a few of the fights. I told him who I was with and stuff. And he was like, he was like, I can't wait to watch it. So, um, so yeah, I can't, I can't say who I'm signing with yet, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big announcement. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm very confident. I think they're looking at the end of January, end of Jan, and then I think we've got a, a big, like a biggest, biggest show to be on in the first week of March. Now keep your ears open this week because it's highly likely that the WBC are going to mandate Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. We got stuck into it on our show, uh, talking to the likes of Andy Lee, who is Tyson Fury's trainer or part of that training team. And we also spoke to Javier Miller, who is Dillian White's head coach. Both men joined us to discuss the possibilities of a super fight happening in Britain. His resume speaks for itself. He just seems to get better and better every fight. And, um, you know, his lack of amateur experience, he's making up for that by fighting good opponents. And um, I had respect for Dillian before I got involved with Dillian. Um, and uh, once I got involved with Dillian, you know, I, I did speak to him about changing us, changing certain things here and there. And, um, you know, he, he's done everything I've asked him to do. Um, I told him it would make him a better fighter. Um, you know, especially when these, these big, big fights are coming now, you know, his, his dream is to be a world champion. Um, I really want that for him, but you know, honestly, he's just—he Dylan can do a bit of everything, and I think all these other heavyweights know that he's a real danger. And um, we'll see what happens next. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, the, the the thing is this for me—it's an obvious question. It's a simple question. We know Dillian is a warrior, warrior hearts. I had an amazing interview with him recently for DAZN out in Portugal, Xavier, and he outlined in that because of what he's been through in his life and this is what's so inspirational about Dillian he can face a defeat he can face a knockout to your Povetkins and the next day he's absolutely fine again because he's because of what he's been through in life like boxing is not a problem when he looks back on the way his life's been he is testament to survival as a human being but the big question for me is if this fight does get made against Tyson Fury in my view he's up against the number one in the world how do you beat Tyson Fury if you're Dillian White? I think Dillian should do exactly what he's always been doing. You know, Dillian's got a lot of skills, which a lot of people haven't even seen yet. You know, he's got a fantastic jab. His body punching is the best in the division. 
You know, he's counter-punching. To me, is the best in the division. There's a lot of things that Dylan could do really well. I rate Tyson. Very good boxer. You know, he's come a little bit more aggressive now. And obviously, there's this talk now that he's become this puncher. He's not. He's just a very good boxer. And he found a very good dance partner. But he, but he's beaten Klitschko. He's beaten Wilder. You have to give him that respect. And at the moment, because of the position he holds, you have to say he's number one. But Dillian is right there. And he's ready to go. And he's done everything a fighter should do to get ready for an opportunity like this. And hopefully the WBC do the right thing and we, we get the chance to showcase all the skills that he has. But do you think he out-jabs Tyson Fury then? Well, Dillian can jab with anybody. It's, it, you know, the, the guy, a lot of the guys that, that Tyson Fury's box don't have a jab as good as Dillian White's. You know, um, like I said, I don't want to discredit any fighter because I love boxing. I don't like to do that. I just know what I've got. And Dillian can, Dillian can beat any of these guys. Any of them. You know, he's got a very, very strong team around him. I remember Dillian's very hungry. I mean, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had what the others have had yet. He hasn't had a chance to fight for a world title, win a world title. A very hungry fighter, very dangerous fighter. So, yeah, of course, I'm extremely confident. That's the fight that I want. Javier, as well as obviously getting Dillian in the right uh, technical place for a fight uh, like this with uh, Tyson Fury, is probably even more important uh, the mental uh, side of this because a fight with Tyson Fury, it's about keeping that cool head in there. There's going to be moments in there where Tyson's going to have success. That's just the way certain fights go at the very, very elite level. It's about staying calm, staying patient because a moment will arise where, where Dillian can do what Dillian does best. Yeah, and, and with Dillian, you know, we, we all know, I don't have to tell you guys this. He's a very, you know, strong-minded individual. You know, I, you know, in, at those moments in the fight where Dillian needs to do something else, he doesn't need anyone to tell him to do that. You know, a lot of the times I, I, I choose to train fighters for me with, you know, the grit and the heart and determination, the skill I can teach. I've been teaching boxing for over 20 years, spent years in the amateurs. But for me, it's, it's always about the character of the fighter. Yeah. Dillian's got that in abundance. You know, it's, the guy is just ready to go. You know, and, and, and no, I know, I know. One at this moment in time, who hasn't boxed for a world title, is more ready than Dillian. No, I agree. He's a very dangerous opponent. I think it's a fantastic fight. I think he's a very dangerous opponent for for Tyson Fury, and and Dillian always poses those threats. Um, what do you think is what? What do you feel from your perspective, from the team's perspective? We were talking about it before you came on air. Where does this fight take place if it's March. Does it go to Cardiff? Is it big enough to be in the Millennium Stadium? Does it go to the O2 Arena? Would you be prepared to go? Should we all be going to Las Vegas for this fight and make it a, a great occasion there? Where, where should it go in your view? I, I think this is an opportunity for us to have a massive fight in the UK. You know, this will sell out any arena to me. Cardiff, great suggestion. You know, we need a we, we need an, an arena that's big enough for this kind of fight. This fight's massive. You know, um, we we want to we want to do this in the UK, you know. We did we didn't get you know the Joshua and the Fury fight in the UK, you know. There was talks of uh, one of the fighters always wanted to fight in America, which is not usually Tyson Fury. Um, I know the demographic is massive over there. I understand that, but we've got a chance to do something really big in the UK and make and make history, and that's really what we want to do. I, I don't blame Dillian for wanting to have a fight in the UK, but believe me, we will go where necessary to go and get that shot. 
There you have it. Action-packed as ever. Never miss out on any of our Fight Sports content by subscribing via the iTunes or via the TalkSport website. TalkSport.com. Get yourself stuck in if you need an Android feed. Uh, next week, we are live from Wembley, so come and join us for the fights. And we'll also bring you a podcast too. We'll catch you next time. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 